Amen. Well, thank you, Fee. What a great evening it is. So lovely to be here uh, in church and joining you guys on Zoom or YouTube or Facebook as well. Uh, we're going to kick off tonight where we finished off this morning, which is with CPR. And we're asking, how do we keep the lights on as Christians? How do we be intentionally confident in our Christian faith? And there'll be a cameo halfway through the sermon uh, from a couple of sort of stand-ins for uh, Bieber and Mendes. So look out for that. But we're, we're going to kick off with CPR. And so on our screens will come up uh, the Pilgrim slide, slide four. And, and CPR is a creed, perseverance, and remembering. Creed, perseverance, and remembering. And that's from here in Hebrews chapter 10, 32, uh, 339. And, and the creed is something that we really need when the lights are sort of flickering low in our Christian world. Do you ever have those moments where, in all honesty, the, the lights have got so dim? It's like a petrol gauge in a car, and you know you're on fumes, or, or just like my, my bicycle light when it's running low, it starts to blink, flashing, flashing. How, how do you keep the lights on? How do you change the battery? How do you get going again? Well, part of the answer is it's all in your head. You need to have the right creed. And in verse 39, the final creed is, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Uh, one of your great creeds is to say, I am someone who has faith and is being saved, and therefore, I'm not going to be one of those who shrink back and gets destroyed. I've got faith, and I'll be saved. But of course, it's, it's quite complex to sort of think, well, what does it mean by I've got faith? Because we talk a lot about, you know, my faith, and uh, David Cameron famous talk, talked about having faith that came and went like Magic FM in the Chilterns. Now, I have to be honest, I try and put Magic FM on, on in the car, um, but the kids are always uh, veering towards capital, which is where tonight's music uh, comes from. Uh, but is that what our faith is like? Is it just this personal thing that I've got? And when it feels right, it's okay. Uh, but when it goes, it's like, like a radio in the Chilton Hills. It, it goes off. That, is that going to help me not be destroyed? Is that going to help me be saved? Well, flick back with me to verses 18 and 19, 20, 21, 22. And you'll see what the faith is in and where the faith comes from. And this is going to really help you in resuscitation if you feel like the lights are getting low now. Or if you ever have those moments where you're like, I'm just holding on by my fingernails. You know, the writer of Hebrews knew that the people she's writing to are going to go through such a trial that she's going to have to empower them to hang on. And she's telling them, look, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is the body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with God with a sincere heart, etc. But just turn that into a creed with me. And it goes like this, brothers and sisters, we are those who are confident to enter the high place by the blood of Jesus. Or make it personal, I can enter the high place through the blood of Jesus. I can get through past the curtain because I have a great high priest over the house of God. And I can draw near to God through a sincere heart. And I have full assurance of faith. And I have my heart sprinkled. And I have been cleansed from a guilty conscience. And I have had my body washed with pure water. And I can hold unswervingly to the hope that I profess. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. It's not about whether 
I'm faithful. It's that he is faithful and he who promised all these things is faithful and therefore I do not belong to those who shrink back and get destroyed but I belong to those who have faith and are being saved. Why? Because of his faith activates my faith and that means I'm going to be saved. It's a gift. It's a grace. It's a mercy. It's a kindness and it comes from him. So it doesn't depend on my weak fingernails to hold on because actually even when it looks like I'm going to fall, there's someone who's going to lift me up and pick me up and put me back on my feet and he raises me up even when I'm in a mari pit and he stands me firm and I'm okay again. Because it's all about him. It's what Jesus did. You see, the writer of Hebrews is, is raising our sights to two great theological moments in the world. One is Moses' inauguration of the Jewish religion. And the other one is Jesus Christ inaugurating the whole new creation, not just a new religion. And she wants us to know, or he wants us to know, we don't really know who wrote it. My, my, my pet theory at the moment is it's Priscilla, and you can look that up for yourself. She wants us to know that the God that we approach is the same God who Moses approached on that holy mountain. He's the same God who parts the Red Sea. He's the same God who brings the plagues on Egypt. He is a fearsome and flipping scary God. And the same God that Jesus talks about, the same God where Jesus says, be careful lest you get chucked into hell by this God. Jesus, who talks more about hell than anyone else in the scriptures, is talking about the same God. And yet Jesus here has paid all of the price for our sins so that we don't have to be those who shirk back. So firstly, we have a creed, and our creed is, I am not going to shrink back and be destroyed, but I am those, one of those who has faith and are saved. Why? Because of Jesus who is faithful. That's my creed. I am not going to shrink back because he is faithful. If we can have the slide on again. There's two other things in the CPR. One is getting our thinking right. The second one is persevering. And the last one is remembering. Let's look at remembering first. It says, remember those early days after you received your light. This is verse 32. Do you remember receiving light? from Jesus can you can you think back to that moment maybe it's your, your baptism someone in the room tonight who was baptized not long ago remember what it was like to be yanked out of addiction into into a new place I'm getting some nods can you remember at home what it was like to have the light switched on to realize your darkness as the light comes on but realize his grace to transform you to sprinkle you, to cleanse you, to heal you. Can you remember what it was like to have the light on? But she says, secondly, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Can you remember that to have walked this far with Jesus has cost you something? It might have cost you something in terms of, actually, I didn't sleep around with a bunch of people. It might have cost you something in terms of your career. It might have cost you something in terms of your family. It might have cost you something in terms of your finances. Hopefully, you've come to a place where actually giving away of your finances doesn't feel like a cost anymore. It feels like a grace and a gift. But it will have cost you to be a Christian. And for these people here that she's writing to, it's cost them a huge amount. And she knows it's going to cost them even more. Have, have listened to what she says. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution 
Other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. They've been through a lot. They've paid a financial cost. They've paid a friendship cost. They've paid all sorts of costs. But they know that they're living for something far better. For the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. And the joy set before him, these Christians have endured so much. And so have you listening to this tonight. You have at various points chosen to say there is something better to come. So I'm going to delay gratification now because I know what I could hold on to now is never going to equate to what I'll get if I wait. Because the king is coming and I want to be right with the king when he comes. So he says, remember what you've been through, what you've done, how you've endured. And then she says, persevere. You know, I was saying to Fiona before the service, one of the hardest things in the Christian life is that if you try and stand still, you're actually going backwards. Why is that? Because we're in a tide. And the cultural tide is going so far in one way that if we stop trying to swim, we just get dragged back with it. See, the video can't keep up with the, uh, the cultural tide. Let's see if they can keep up. Let's just try this out. Yep. See, we get dragged back with it. And, and it's a great picture because actually what it means is that we're losing being in the flow of the Spirit. We lose it so easily. And if you just go, right, well, flip me, COVID's on. I give up. When I can get back into physical church and physical small groups, then I'll kickstart this stuff. Or when it gets to Lent, I'll restart this stuff. Or when it gets to Easter, or, you know, maybe actually just forget it. I'm just going to enjoy my life right now while I'm young or while I'm older, however old you are. And, you know, at some point, I'll reactivate my faith. I'll kick in because right now I'm just going to tread water. And the fact is, friends, you can't tread water. You fall away until you're spiritually dead like a dodo, and it's awful. So you have to persevere. And look how she says to persevere. She takes us to two scriptures instinctively. One, in just a little while, he who's coming will come and will not delay. And that reminds us of Jesus' parable. who says there's a master who's coming back. Are you going to be ready? When he comes back, or are you going to be like a foolish virgin or a master who's coming back? And are you going to be ready? Have you done something with the talents he's given you? Or are you going to be like the foolish one who buries his talents? Jesus says lots of parables that relate to this verse. In a little while, he's coming and he will not delay. Are you going to be ready when he comes back? She takes us into the scriptures. And the second one, my righteous one will live by faith. Reminding you of the creed again. Live by faith. What faith, the faith that he imparts, the faithful one imparts to you. Live it out righteously in the righteousness that he imparts to you. But cautioning you again, I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. See, for us to persevere when the cultural tide is taking us on this journey, I Sam's keeping up this time, uh, taking us on this journey for us to keep going means that sometimes we need encouragement. And sometimes we need discipline. Sometimes a good father lays down the law for us and says, look, if you keep slipping away, you're going to slip out of reach. So CPR raises the dead, the creed, persevere and remember. But what's the problem going on here? 
the problem is that for us it's so easy to slip back. It's so easy to come unmoored. It's so easy for our spiritual life just to, to lose hold. And uh, that's been put fairly well recently in a, a song in the charts that uh, Joe and Fiona uh, recorded for you this morning. Put me on a pedestal, tell me I'm the best Raise me up into the sky until I'm short of breath, yeah Fill me up with confidence, I'll say what's in my chest Spill my words and tear me down until there's nothing left Rearrange the pieces just to fit me with the rest, yeah But what if I, what if I trip? And what if I, what if I fall? Then am I the monster? Just let me know. And what if I, what if I sin? And what if I, what if I break it? Then am I the monster? Just let me know. But what if I, what if I trip? And what if I, what if I fall? Then am I the monster? Just let me know And what if I, what if I sin And what if I, what if I break it Then am I the monster Just let me know What if I trip, what if I fool Am I the monster, just let me know and of course, what they're inviting in that song is the response, no, you're not a monster if you flip or fall or stumble. That's just human, isn't it? To err is human. A couple of years ago, we were, we were lucky enough to host Philip Yancey here at Christchurch W4 over at St. Albans. And he, he wrote one of the most famous Christian books that was around when I was growing up. It's called What's So Amazing About Grace? And it was part of an entire era where the church learned again that God is gracious and kind to us when we stumble and fall and when we feel like a monster. God's inclined to put us back on our feet again. But I guess the message that we probably need to learn today is what's so amazing about obedience? What's so amazing about holiness? What's so amazing about living it out? Because the writer to Hebrews doesn't just leave the people there going, look, don't worry. If you fall or you stumble. In fact, the whole book is peppered with five what they call solemn exhortations. Uh, maybe you could flick onto, onto this slide, slide two. Uh, Hebrews 2, 1 to 4. It talks about believers who begin to drift from the words. I wonder if you, if you ever do that. I, I mean, I know I do. It's that sort of turning to it less often inclining yourself to it less often. Well, people who begin to drift from the word, Hebrews 2, 1 to 4, begin to, to doubt the word. And this isn't the good doubt of intellectually uh, wondering and curiosity about, about things and trying to work things out. This is the doubt of the serpent in the Garden of Eden, the doubt that says, did God really say that? You know, that sort of doubt, the, 
the question mark at the end of an otherwise good sentence? Did God not say that if you jump off a cliff, he'll command his angels concerning you? It's the doubt that he tried to sow into Jesus. Using scripture against scripture. So believers who begin to drift, begin to doubt, it leads them to become dull towards the word and lazy in their spiritual life. And If I'm honest, I, I close this morning with a sense of a church lying on the floor like it needed CPR. And then Jesus coming with his divine paddles, you know, like they do in, in house MD on the telly or on casualty, if you prefer that. Boom, 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 getting the heart beating again. It's so easy for us to get dull in our spiritual life, maybe cocooning away, maybe going, look, it's COVID, I can't do anything right now. And I feel like God's saying, look, come on, wake up, guys. It's time to get out of the cocoon. It's time to get out of the sleeping mode. It's time to wake up. This is the time to wake up, church. Get ready. Be ready. Wake up. Because if you stay dull in your spiritual life, you, you get to the fourth solemn exhortation. And it's not as bad as the fifth exhortation we get to in Hebrews 12, 14 to 29, but it's pretty heavy. Have a listen to this. And do turn to it in your scriptures if you've got it with you. Because it says this, after having told us, as we looked at last week, uh, keep encouraging each other, keep spurring each other onto good deeds, don't stop meeting together. Verse 26, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. If we deliberately keep sinning after receiving knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. In other words, it comes to a point where there's just nothing to pay for what mess you've made. Instead, verse 27, a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. And she takes us back into that story of Moses saying that anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely does someone deserve to be punished who has done three things? Trampled. And it, if you're feeling this resonating with your spirit tonight, do let the full force of it hit you because realizing what we do to Jesus sometimes is a painful but necessary thing trampled the Son of God underfoot, treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant, as his crucifixion and the communion that comes from that, and has insulted the Spirit of grace. Trampled Jesus, treated his blood as unholy, insulted the Spirit of grace. It says, we know that he who said is mine to avenge will repay. The Lord will judge his people, and it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. My, my take on the author of Hebrews is that she's a phenomenal pastor. It's not that she's trying to manipulate you or scare you or, or just do some sort of 
like emotional cranking up and she knows what these guys are going to go through. She's already experienced persecution. She knows how hard it's going to be for them to walk faithfully with God through their whole lives. And she knows that the human condition is such that sometimes we need the warning as much as the teaching about God's love and grace. And she's prepared to tell them the truth that it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I remember when I was repeatedly sinning in one area as a new Christian, I'd go to my pastor and I'd tell him, Gordon, I've sinned again. And he uh, would do this lovely thing where he would explain God's grace and love for me and what was so amazing about grace and how God was going to forgive me. And I'd go away again and then a month or two later I'd be back saying the same thing and he'd tell me how wonderful God was and gracious God was. Uh, and he said to me, Richard, you do know that if you came and hit me and said, I'm sorry, I would forgive you. But if the next day you came back and hit me again, I'd wonder how sorry you really were. <laughs> and it really helped me because it made me realize that true repentance is a turning and changing of minds. Yeah? Repentance is a turning and changing of mind. It's a new mind, a metanoia, a new mind. And we can't just keep punching God and then sort of saying sorry, like an abusive person in an abusive relationship. He is God, and we're just ants. And eventually, He's slow to anger, but you can provoke his anger eventually. And that is a terrible thing to do. So she gives, gives these dire warnings. The last warning in Hebrews 12 is, is even starker. Eventually, if you carry on despising God's words, it leads to the doom of Defying God's word. That's uh, slide two again, just to see. It leads to the doom of defying God's word. One of the reasons Hebrews is not much preached on. One reason is the Jewish history. It's hard to get your head around. Another reason, we're not culturally inclined. We've not been taught to hear the hard teaching. And sometimes it's only the hard teaching that can help us to be saved and sets us up for CPR. See, until you've got a good diagnosis of your problem, how are you going to get rescued? How are you going to get saved? If you can't tell that you're lying there, not breathing, and your heart's stopping, whoever's going to give you CPR? The worst sort of church to be in would be one where everyone's going, there, there, it's okay, it doesn't matter. Do whatever you like. God loves you. It really doesn't matter at all. Because it does matter. And it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And it's an awful thing to trample underfoot the Son of God. And it's a terrible thing to mistreat his blood. And it's an awful thing to grieve the Holy Spirit. And yet, like the song... It's so easy to relate to, isn't it? What if I stumble? What if I fall? DC Talk once wrote. What if I lose my faith and I make fools of us all? 
Will the grace continue if the walk becomes a crawl? What if I stumble? What if I fall? And I suppose if you keep walking with Jesus, the answer is sometimes from the inside, it looks like, I don't know if there's any reason that God will keep me going on today. Can you, can you do that? Can you just look back over your life? At, I know I can at moments where I'm like, I don't know why you don't just chuck me out, Lord. I don't know why you don't just get rid of me. If it was down to me, I would get rid of me. And yet, it's not my faith that is what holds me, but his faithfulness. And that's what's holding you tonight. Jesus once talked about one thing, and I'll finish with this. He talked about what he called the unforgivable sin, which is sinning against the Spirit of God. And the wisest pastoral advice on it is if you still care that you might be hurting Jesus, if your heart still has any sensitivity and any lament that your sin breaks God's heart, then there's hope for you because your heart hasn't got so hardened that you can't turn back to him. In other words, if right now as we begin to pray and Fiona and the band are going to lead us in prayer, if as they minister to you, you sense in your spirit, I am so sorry, Lord. It's actually not a bad place to be. The best place to be, of course, is in the flow of obedience. And that is possible in the New Testament to keep being obedient, to keep in step with the Spirit, because that's what the Spirit enables us to do. But if you know you're stumbling, falling, dull, and denying God even, but your heart tinges about it, your conscience tinges, today is the day to turn to him and say, I'm sorry, because he restores all things.